episode number 202 with Carlos Welch. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton, and thank you for tuning in. I am here with uh, Carlos Welsh. Welcome, Carlos. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yes. So uh, let's catch all the uh, listeners up. Uh, you and I and Mikey and um, Andrew Peeper, Dylan, um, Dylan Tomasi, uh, who else? Alex Venosa. Al- <laughs> yep. We've been hanging out in Vegas. You guys have been here longer than uh, than I have. I've just been here the last few days. But uh, catch everyone up. So you and Mikey came out to Vegas, what, like a week or a week and a half ago? If I remember correctly, Mike came out on Thursday or maybe Friday. And then I came on Saturday, I believe. Okay, so that was like a... That could be completely wrong. Wait a minute. That's, that's completely wrong. Uh, I remember I stayed to do, he left before I did and I stayed to do a Sunday grind. Okay. So he left, um, he left Saturday and I left on Monday, I believe. Tuesday, Tuesday. Okay. (laughs) So about a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. About a week. Okay. And what, uh, so he got out here, um, he preceded the downward spiral and then you showed up. Is it, is that, is that what happened? (laughs) Um, pretty much. Uh, I don't remember what he played before the, um, oh, you know what? The first thing he played was the, um, um, main event for the, um, the circuit main event at the Rio. Okay. And I, I think he entered on day one B. So whatever date day one B was, was the day he got out here and he proceeded to, um, not cash that and that kind of gets the trip off to a bad start because that's a pretty big buy-in i think it's like 1700 or something yeah so he starts off in the hole and, and mike is really just you know he needs a good start yeah, a good start will just kind of like set the trip off right for him and a bad start can kind of do the opposite yes and i think that's pretty much what happened okay okay all right and you went you got out here a couple of days later after after that I guess and what uh, what did you play So I came out and um Mike and I played I think the first thing we played together was some nightly at the Venetian I can't even remember why we played it Okay It was it was um like uh, some bounty tournament like 150 bucks Okay Neither neither of us cashed neither of us got a bounty and then I think the next day or the day after, um, we play the um, uh, $40, I'm sorry, the um, $400 40K at the win. Okay. And I ended up taking 13th in that. Okay. And and uh, so that was um, the second game I played. That's about two and a half or three times you buy in, something like that? Yeah, two and a half, which, you know, Mike and I were kind of, you know, that's worth we were saying that's actually worth having whereas like you know we're so used to playing online where the the buy-in is like 1.1 the the cash is 1.1 um if you min cash and um 1.1 your buy-in so just a little bit more sometimes like you told me even less 
<laughs> yeah, I crazy. paid a forty-four dollar and got like thirty-nine dollars. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I cashed so, and lost five dollars. Like, how is that insane? <laughs> it's insane. So it's nice to play a tournament where a main cash is two and a half buy-ins, and that's pretty much what it was in yeah. the one that I that I cashed. Right on, right on. Cool. Okay, so you played the win uh, four hundred daily, and then what? Yep, and like poker players me particularly are so bad with time like i'm trying to remember when all this stuff happened um i want to say it was like a day or two days before um mike played day one of the 600 hundred dollar tournament okay um so um, I wish I had the schedule in front of me, but <laughs> whatever day that was, uh, so I played and um, made cash to the 40k. I, I definitely took a day off, I think Mike did as well. Maybe he played cash, I can't remember. And then he played um, day one of the $600, was it 250? A 250k? Uh, uh, 200, 250k, yeah, a quarter mil. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so three played. starting flights to that, right? And and what happened the night before? Because I called you guys. I think the original plan was we were all going to stay at uh, um, like my brother's house or something. But when I called, Mike just seemed in an absolute panic. And I'm like, oh, these guys are going to leave before I even get to Vegas. So I'm not even going to bother calling. Back. <laughs> <laughs> let me think. Let me think. Was that you said, all the you day? Said he had a. Uh, he, he was ready to go home, but then he decided to sleep that night. Oh, and then he had a dream. And I he dreamed that, uh, that he won the win tournament and became president. Yes. Yeah. So, so that so, was enough to get him to enter, right? Right. So we play, you, so you played on – did we play the same day? We, you and I played the same day. We did. We played day three, yeah. yeah. Which was Saturday? Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. So okay. Mike played Thursday. So – Thursday. So that means on Wednesday night, Mike packed his bags. He packed his bags. <laughs> he was ready to go Wednesday night. I thought, you know, the what he told me is that he planned to leave um, early um, Thursday morning. Yeah. And then when he woke up, he said he had this dream that uh, he uh, was the president and he won a win tournament. So he decided. <laughs> so he decided to uh, fire it. And so, she, and so, yeah, so the plan was just to, like, leave town. Yeah. And uh, since he fired it and since she were on the way, like, I normally don't play big field tournaments. Like, I don't I don't like multi-day tournaments. Yeah. But I figured, like, you know, since the guys are going to be here, I might as well fire this thing, too. And so I decided to wait, take a day off, and uh, wait until Saturday when you got here and then you and I fired it. Yeah, yeah. We did a 5% swap. Yep, was, uh, 5%, 5% um, with both of you guys. Um, and I want to say, so Mike was, I think, struggling in the tournament for a while. Like, towards the end of the night, he kind of got short. And then he kind of, like, just went on the heater maybe, like, the last two levels. And back, like, I think at the time it was it was for sure – top four stacks i think he um, told me he had like 80 something big blinds yeah yeah it was heaps yeah he had he had like over 200k and i think we were coming back to um 1500 3k or something right right 
And um, I think he was like fourth in chips. But th- again, this is like flight one, so flight eight. So, of course, things could change the next two flights. Yeah. But I think even when it was all said and done, he came into day two, like, if not top 10, definitely like top 20 yeah. um, stacks. So, yeah, I don't I can't remember exactly um, the hands, but I know he went on like a pretty big heater at the end of the night. And then you and I got in and I pretty much did what I always do, which is like coasts for the entire day um, somewhere. Well, obviously, you got to start with I start with a the same big starting stack as everybody else. But then I eventually stay at that stack size until it becomes like 30 bigs and then stay hover between like 15 and 30 bigs for the rest of the way. And that's pretty much what I did and ended up bagging at the um, end of my day one, which was, I think I bagged like 25 bigs. Yeah, I think you had just under 30, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right on. Mine was a little bit more abbreviated. I uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Chevy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had the... Uh... Let's see, uh, I, I tweeted about it. I said, a fat guy wearing a Chevrolet shirt uh, just owned me. And uh, <laughs> this guy, um, he was uh, he was playing about 60% of hands and raising probably 30 or 35%. Uh, he raised in middle position. I um, uh, It was a min raise. I called out of the big blind with 9-7 off suit. I don't think there's anything really there. I suppose I could three bet, but I really didn't want to three bet him with the offsuit hand like that out of position. Uh, the flop comes, uh, uh, seven, eight, nine. So I got top and bottom. Uh, we're, uh, we're heads up. I, um, now I've seen this guy, uh, just fire three streets with like a draw and then do the same on the river with a busted draw. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a little rope here. And so I checked, pretty certain that he would bet, and he did. Um, I thought about check-raising at that point, but then I'm just like, well, then I'm not getting value from any of his bluffs. Uh, so I call. Uh, turn is like a blank. It was like a two or a three. Uh, I check. He bets again. I call. And then the river is a queen. And I'm thinking like, oh, please, God, let him have like, you know, queen jack or something. And he just thinks he's good now and now drew me. And uh, I check. He bets again, and I call, and he flipped over uh, Jack Ten off suit for the flop nuts. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> now, now, when I when I originally saw your tweet on that, I was like, um, like the word "own" is kind of strong in that spot. <laughs> yeah. I think I I think you played your hand perfectly. In fact, um, the mistake that a lot of people make is raising at some point when that with that hand where that hand is pretty much just like the nut bluff catcher because you got a guy who's super aggressive raising everything betting most of it um three streets and you have like just incredible blockers yeah and on top of that if you do raise and get action you're probably not good like you're you're far from the nuts on this board yeah yeah, yeah, so your hand is basically a bluff catcher, and it's a really good bluff catcher and a really good spot to have a bluff catcher. Yeah, yeah. So you you definitely played the hand perfectly. Um, there could be some um, disagreement because the boy is so wet. Was there a flush draw at all? Uh, 
Uh, let me think. No, I believe there might have been one that came in on the turn, uh, but gotcha. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, like, I definitely like bluff catching with two pair um, um, boards that are a little bit safer. So let's say if it was like nine, seven, three or something like that, yeah. I, I would like it a little bit better. But really, it doesn't matter. Like, there's not much more you can do. Like, I think check raising, you're definitely overplaying your hand you, you're basically repping a straight yourself yeah. when you check raise and so you don't want to do that and like only get action from uh, better yeah. so you know man sometimes they just get there yeah 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 <laughs> and, and the good thing about it is he would probably play like aces the same way these guys don't have a stop button he would play aces and also ace king and maybe like you know seven four suited the same way yeah so yeah you played it perfectly you did not get all by the chevy representative <laughs> well maybe old was a strong word but i certainly felt like i got bent over and spanked yeah yeah <laughs> like, okay he flopped the nuts i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's just a small part of his range and he just yeah yeah but uh it was that one and then it was uh a couple levels later that that really uh just knocked the uh, legs out from under me and uh, then I was floating around uh, I think 25 big blinds for a couple of levels I get king queen offsuit on the button uh, I 3.1 3.2 exit uh, get called by both blinds the flop comes 10 6 6 uh, they both quickly check I see bet small blind calls I'm sorry small blind folds big blind calls turn is a jack uh, he checks again I shove with two overs and open ender and he tanks for a long time. And then I was thinking like, okay, um, I, I, I felt like he had a small pair or something like that. Maybe a week 10. Uh, yeah. so maybe that wasn't a, a spot to shove there, but, uh, he finally found a call and he had 10, eight. And so then that kind of made me wonder like, maybe he's, well, he's obviously not folding a 10 there if he called with that, but I was like, maybe that was a little ambitious shove there. Um, I thought he was going to fold a week 10 and like, you know, pairs, uh, sevens, eights and nines. If, if he's probably three betting those, the guy was, he was a decent player. Um, I don't know. That might've been, a, that might've been a questionable shove. Um, I don't hate it. Um, what's, um, what was the sizing on the turn? Was it like an overbet shove? Uh, it was right about pot size. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those spots where you kind of, forced to do it because of your um stack size yeah but let's say if you were a little bit deeper or if the pot coming into the hand was a little bit smaller like and say like say if you min raise pre and like maybe bet like third pot on the flop okay you could set up like a triple barrel and i think you're more likely to get a guy off of a weak second pair when you go three streets because they can because because he can call you on the turn thinking that okay he still has draws in his range yeah. Uh, so okay. ge generally bluffs, I think when you're trying to bluff people off a pair, it's better to do it over three streets than two. Yeah. But with these stack sizes, I don't think there was much else you could do. And um, I still think the guy probably should fold. Um, I don't know how you've been playing up to that point, but he for sure has um, uh, 
better bluff catchers in his range. I would assume. Okay. Uh, depends on what he does pre with like King Ten, Queen Ten, Jack Ten. Um, like he's trying to think what 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 hands Ace Ten. I assume he's three betting, but maybe not. Um, the other ones are more questionable. Yeah. Um, so I, I can like give him fewer combos of the um, Queen Ten, King Ten than the Ace Ten as far as just flatting. Yeah. Pre. I'm trying to think what jacks does he have in his range other than Jack Ten. Um, like, does he float you on the flop? Ace Jack, he probably like if he defends King Jack, does he float you on the flop with that? If so, that would make a better bluff catcher. Um, so I guess that's going to depend on how he plays, but it's hard to, to like get these people to like fold anything. But you had like so much equity there, I, I can't can't hate it. Okay, okay, all right. Well, the river was a blank, and that was uh, GG. So that was my uh, <laughs> that was my shot at a, a quarter mil uh, prize pool. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, yeah. Uh, I still had five uh, percent of you, so I got a little bit of a sweat. That was fun. Yes. And uh, you made it through day one and then went into day two with uh, 90 players left, I think, and the top 63 paid or 62, something like that? 62 paid. Okay. Um, and um, so like like two-thirds of the field would get paid. And I came in and kind of like um, <clears throat> got basically almost a double up right away. Like the, the second – Second or third hand, uh, a big so first of all, I got chip the tournament chip leader on my left, uh-huh. and the guy who's fourth in chips on my right. So, yeah, I'm sandwiched between right. two monster stacks. And so, my plan all day was like, okay, these people raise too much, so I'm just gonna be like shoving a lot over their opens. And so, like, the second or third hand guy opens on my right, I'm probably button or cut off something like that and i three bet small with kings so he made it like um six and i made it 16 i should have made it a little bit bigger but i made it 16 because i'm a live fish and (laughs) folds back around he calls and i have red kings i believe Okay, now and, just just so I'm tracking here, you're you're in position for the hand. Yes, and heads up. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so there's gonna be something like forty in the middle. Yeah. And I have something like fifty two behind, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And and, and the flop is like nine seven six all spades. Uh, and I okay. have two red kings. Okay. Not not very happy. But yeah. uh, he checks. I just shove. Yeah, because I, I don't want to give these guys any rope. Like if I bet anything, like if I bet anything decent, I'm pretty much committed anyway. Yeah. And if I try to get tricky and bet like third pot or something, these guys will float with or without it, and then wrap it on later streets. And I can't really stack off on the all black, all spade connected board with two red kings um, on the bubble, basically the bubble yeah. of a tournament. So I shoved and he folded, but that was enough to like uh, 
you know, damn near double me up. Yeah. <laughs> because of the big the big antes. I mean the um the the blinds and antes were pretty big, plus he um uh called a three bet. So that pretty much got me up to a, a stack where I was I could like wait an orbit or two now or like a level to kind of see how the table was playing before I uh, feel more confident in my game plan. Yeah. So like I said, my game plan coming in was just to shove over opens, but that's like my default game plan. I assume that big stacks are opening too wide. And for sure, the guys who make big stacks on day one, like the randoms um, who are just opening all kinds of garbage, like the guy that you played against. Yeah. Those guys for sure open too much. But by the time you get to day two, some of the big stacks are going to actually be good players, not just like over-aggressive players who happen to get big stacks sometimes. Um, So if this is an actual good player, maybe his ranges are a little bit more disciplined. But I got a chance to like see a couple of orbits and realize that that wasn't the case. And so now it was like all systems go. Every time he opened, I would just shove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of ASEX type hands and like, Broadways, like Queen Jack, stuff like that. Um, the hands that most people in this tournament would like flat and try to outplay you with posts, I just shove pre show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you scoop up like 40% of your stat and yeah. you take it down pre. Yeah. And you don't get sucked out on by like, you know, yeah. four or three suited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I remember we were talking about that uh, the morning before you went out. Um, you spent the night here. You got to meet my folks. My mom was yes. super excited, by the way. She was like, yeah, Car- that- Carlos is coming? <laughs> the Carlos Welch? <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs> That's funny. Shout out to Steve's parents. They were super nice. Yeah, we had some great conversations. Yeah, yeah thanks for inviting me, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. Glad to have you. Anytime. Um, and uh, we were looking up your table. And uh, you're all, well, this could be a blessing or a curse. I've got two big stacks on my right and left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, damn, okay. Just shove over opens, I guess. Like, uh, Yeah. Yeah, so what else are you going to do? I, I basically did that, again, That that's how I keep my stack afloat between, like, 20 and 30 bigs because I shove that stack size over opens, and they either fall or they call. And if they call, I'm either out or I double. And when I double from a 20 big stack to a 40 big stack, I'm basically doing the exact same thing next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a never ending, like, you know, purgatory, but I'll take it because I can ride that wave all the way to the money um, pretty consistently. The problem is um, going further than that. I kind of need to like win a flip at some point. Yeah, and so um, I definitely tried to win some flips, but um, they didn't call. <laughs> yeah, uh, because they like you can't win flips when guys are raising with four or three suited. You yeah. know, they they actually have to have a hand to call you with. Yes, but in the meantime, you just um, stay alive. Now I did get one interesting hand where uh, we're super close to the money now, like probably seventy left, and the guy on my right. Um, who was a big stack, but because he was open too much crap, he was getting owned by me when I shoved on him. And he was getting owned by the big, the, the real big stack on my left because they were playing pots. And so this guy ended up losing like half his stack. And he was sick of me shoving on him. 
Um, so it falls around to him, to us, blind versus blind, and he completes the small blind. Okay. And I have about 20, 25 big, something like that, with a five, four suited. Normally, I raise any two cars in this spot. Yeah. But with it being a bubble, I want to be a little bit more cautious, and this hand plays well post. Yeah. So I just uh, checked it back, and the flop was like eight, three deuce with two clubs. So I'm open-ended. Yeah. Um, he checks. I check back, and the turn is a six. Bingo. And yeah, so now I have the nuts. He bets. I just call because he's over aggressive. Yeah. And the river is a club. I don't remember what the card was, but the flush got there, and he checks. So. What do you do in this spot? You have the the nut straight in a blind versus blind battle on the bubble of a tournament, and the flush draw comes in. Uh, well, when he checks there, um, I'm going to throw out a value bet. I mean... What do, you, what do you do if he shoves? So if I bet and he shoves? Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking tough one. This is kind of where I use my, uh, I like to believe I have Phil Helmuth white magic and I get him calling <laughs> or get him talking. But yeah. uh, the reality is, is if I can't, if I can't pick up something that I'm pretty certain with, then I just got to let it go. But I think we could get a lot of value from things like an eight, you know, is he really checking an eight on that flop? Um, I don't know. But um, like, wouldn't he, va- wouldn't he most of the time value better flush there? Um. Or is he just I waiting think, for you to uh, check raise it? Because you only called on the turn. I mean, you check the flop, yeah. you called the turn. Like your hand looks like you got a four or something, you know, or a pair of right. threes or something. You know, um, yeah, I got a I got a value bet this. I'm probably value betting something like um, without really knowing your stack sizes. I'm just going to go pot size. Uh, I would probably bet about off the pot size, maybe between three quarters, maybe a little bit uh, like over potted or something. I don't know what the stacks were, if that would have been like your whole stack or something, but, um, no, um, because we, it was a limp pre and we checked, we checked the street. It probably would have been like half my stack. Now, let me ask you this. If you're in villain shoes and you're playing me in this spot and this is like, you're playing against some super tight guy, short stack on the bubble of a tournament. Are you calling when they bet three quarters pot on the river when the flush comes in and all you have is an eight? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, maybe that was a little aggressive. I don't know. There's some. You said that you guys kind of had a dynamic, like the dynamic felt- we had. The dynamic we had is that he opened pre and then I was shoved. Yeah. See, that just kind of feels like you're owning him. You know, and sometimes when you get that dynamic, you'll get these guys to fucking call you with like a pair of fives or something. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, he's not owning me again. I don't care. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe with the dynamic on there of the, uh, I guess your hand does look like a flush draw. Um, but I got to value that something there. Yeah. that You make a good point about, you know, I pretty much won the majority of the hands he and I played. But, I mean, you can't even really say we played hands. He opened and I shoved and the hand was over. Yeah. But 
but you know that's still I a gotta, stinger after a while even yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. as much work as i've done on myself like mentally and staying calm and not tilting like a guy does that to you three times in a row and you're like fuck him you know <laughs> yeah does he just yeah. always have it like what what the hell i'm folding good right. hands here you know that that that's a really good point and and with that i didn't even think about that at the time with that in mind um i guess i can get called by worse but I, under no circumstances, can I call a, show, a check show. No, I don't think so. And I don't know if he's the type of person that knows that and knows that um, um, I'm going to be unlike, like I would pretty much need the nuts or second nuts to stack off there. And a lot of those hands, like if I have like eight sets of clubs, I'm probably just going to shove pre. And so I don't really have a lot of the nuts in my range at that point. And so I don't know. I didn't know if he was the type type that was capable of check shoving as a bluff there, knowing that, you know, I had the vice grips on me. And I also didn't know if he would be willing to pay off with one pair on a super wet board, given how tight I am and the, um, the uh, dynamics. So I decided to not bet. Um, because like I said, I didn't think I could call by worse and I definitely could not call a shove. Um, but yeah, I think if I thought a little bit more about the dynamics, um, uh, I probably could have bet and maybe gotten called, but had he shoved, I would have fucking tilted my fucking life away. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that, I just that look made at it like this is a bad fold and that's it. You yeah, know. but I yeah I I just don't want to bet fold myself down to like nine bigs on the bubble of a tournament. Yeah, well, I mean the odds of him raising the river I think are very small. I think he's probably only doing that I don't know ten percent of the time. I'm I'm just pulling a number out of my ass here. Um, yeah, but I think you, it's very rare that he does that, and when he does, I think it's very often that you're beat. You know. Um, um, but 90, you know, maybe half the time he just folds, uh, 40% of the time he calls and you get another bet out of him and 10% of the time he rips it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I like those you odds. may be right. I definitely think those numbers are a lot higher with a truly good player, but a lot of these people are aggressive, aggressive in certain spots, but not at others. Like this guy was probably quote unquote good for the stakes that he plays, but he's not like an elite player. Like I think. Like the truly good players, like the name pros, I think they can check raise that river as a bluff uh, pretty high percentage of the time, given that even if I call and they lose, it's probably only like a quarter of their stack. But I but I don't know if this guy was on that level, and because I didn't know, I just took the safe route because I really didn't care about getting a value bet paid off there anyway. At this point, my goal was to like, cash cash yeah. and then I'll, I'll do stuff like that once i get inside the money okay so maybe that's a I fault that my back. game because i'll um yeah sometimes i take those spots on the bubble like mikey did and I'll, maybe i shouldn't i'll, I'll run because i ran the hand by dylan um um and he said that he would bet like super small on the river okay and he said, because, yeah, I don't have a lot of bluffs there. So anytime you don't have a lot of bluffs, you, you should use a small sizing. Okay. And I want to say, what did he say about if the guy raises? Um, 
I think he said if he bet big and the guy raised, he would just fold. And if he bet small and the guy raised, he would um, strongly consider calling. Yeah. So I I can see some room for betting, and I think a smaller bet is going to be better than a big bet um, because I think you're probably um, – you kind of got to, like, force him to call by giving him, like, you know, a super group. Like the guy might say to himself, like, you know, I only got to be good to hear one out of seven times or yeah. something. And yeah. in a spot where he's literally never good. And he's never good, yeah. Yeah. And if you force it to be, like, one out of two times, one out of three times, one out of four times, then obviously he's going to call a little less often. Yeah. So I like the smaller bet. Um, but... The difference between Dylan and I is if I bet small and he shoves, I'm not even considering calling. Yeah. And so I don't want to just put myself in a tough spot on the bubble of a tournament with a short stack. So I don't, this is where, like, yeah, we were talking about, you know, I think one of the key differences between Mike and I, I think both of us, obviously, neither of us are, poker, are perfect poker players. And so we play sub optimally. And I'm suboptimal in the sense that I'm tighter than I should be in spots. And I think he's a little bit over-aggressive in spots. Yeah. And so, like, somewhere between the two of us would be the right answer. But uh, I'm pretty happy with where I am on the uh, knit, in the, in the knit side. So I'll leave that above the rim shit up to, <laughs> you know, Phil Ivy and them. Like, you know, I'm just... I'm not. I'm just not on that level, and I don't know if I'll ever be. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dylan did pretty well. Speaking of him, he got twelfth for forty-seven hundred. Only had to fire one bullet of six hundred into that, so it was a good weekend for him. Uh, Mikey, uh, you you had a good one. Um, I got five percent of you, and I got seventy-seven dollars and seventy cents. The lucky three-seven. So I guess I could <laughs> I could reverse engineer the math here on this, but I think it's about fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. Yeah, fifteen fifty four was the cash okay. on a six hundred dollar buy in, and that was the main cash was like thirteen hundred. So I did get a small pay bump, and I actually busted like two spots from another like two hundred dollar pay bump. Okay, but but yeah, it was uh, a pretty um, solid cash for um, uh, a min cash. Yeah, for two days worth of work, that's not bad. That's, yeah, uh, almost a grand. Well done, sir. And uh, 47 out of 615 players-ish, something like that. Uh, yep, and so. the, the best part is when I busted, my chips went to Dylan. So mm-hmm. I was happy about that. Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> there was a little controversy over that tweet. I saw right through it immediately and, and saw it as a joke, but uh, I think a couple people were a little yeah. butthurt or something. I'm like, really? You really think Carlos is talking shit about tournament poker? Come on. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So, what, so what did you, you shoved like ace five or something, and he just called with queens or what was it? Yeah, I shoved ace five suited with twelve bigs, and he called with some pair. It it was a it, it's either like jacks, queens, or kings. Okay. But I never looked, so I don't really know. I actually looked. I look at the end, like when the run out is over, to see if I won or not. Yeah. And I I glanced at the board and I saw that I, apparently I flopped a pair in a flush draw. Oh. But I didn't. But I didn't get there, and uh, I kind of glanced over at his cards. But I saw there were like two face cards, and he won. Yeah. And so I, um, but I, I wasn't exactly sure what they were. Maybe like, if I had to guess, I'm saying it's either like queens or kings. Okay. Okay. So you so know, you, complete... you didn't watch the run out. 
No, I never watched the runouts. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that before. Yeah. It just yeah, keeps you I, mentally better in the game or something or yeah, you don't want yeah, the emotional like, roller coaster of every fucking card coming out. Yeah, it's like once my decisions are done, you know, I don't need the like adrenaline spike or like the because like there's nothing funnier to me when someone shoves like um like queens and they get called by I'm sorry, they shove ace king, they get called by queens and then they flop an ace on the flop. They get an ace on the flop. And the guy hit a queen on the river, and they say, oh, I got two out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, you lost a flip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no. so. You were, you were 48% I, at the start of the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't want, like, it's like looking for pain. Like, nothing good can come from looking at the runouts. I mean, unless you just want, like, a, a drilling spike, and you want to, like, call for cars. I can see how that kind of stuff can be fun for people. Okay. And I do I do enjoy looking at the runouts when I'm sweating other people play. Yeah. But when I'm in it, I don't I don't really want to be involved with the stuff that I don't, I don't have an opportunity to make a, a plus EV decision on. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, I watch the runouts all the time, and, and for me, it's kind of a game of, like, when the dealers are really fast, I can't quite keep up with it, but uh, if they're a slower dealer... I'm running through in my heads as fast as I can, like, you know, what, what outs there are, um, you know, oh, the seven is counted twice because it's a diamond as well, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so for me, it's kind of fun, but you are right there. There is definitely a, uh, uh, an adrenaline spike that goes with it that may not be good for your game. It may be better to just kind of look away and then when it's done, see if you won or not. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah, Mike could sure. ever do that. I believe I'm capable of it, but uh, Mike is <laughs> no. completely incapable of that. <laughs> yeah, he, he and I have talked about this in the past, and um, yeah, I think he he probably sees the merit in it, but I think he kind of enjoys, you know, he enjoys the pleasure and the pain to a certain extent. To he a certain does, extent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, he gets something out of it either way. He does. Um, I remember the, uh, you guys just before the uh, uh, you guys were on the bubble and you got a break and I was in the daily uh, 40k uh, the win yesterday and you guys were on a break and Mike just looked completely disheveled it's so stressed and yeah I, because he went from 200 something got, k down to he like got screwed 90k yeah. or something you know what I mean like his nines didn't hold up against Ace Deuce or something and yeah uh, he he just looked so stressed and I went over to him I'm like bro. You're still in the fucking tournament. You could have got knocked out yesterday like I did. Like, come on, get your shit together. Just focus. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But I but I understand where it comes from. Like, you know, you come in with a big stack and, you know, kind of like wanting. You know, there's so much like, it's such a mind fuck, man. Tournaments yeah. is such a mind fuck. It's like, he's run bad for so long in tournaments. So he kind of like saw an opportunity to kind of like, kind of get back to where he was and you know everything was looking good and then they, i think the first hand he um lost ace king to um aces on the ace high board and that that was a pretty big pot and then i want to say this might have been blind versus blind where a guy shoved um like a7 or ace8 and mike calls with nines and he loses that one and all of a sudden he's he goes from Hero you know, zero, yeah. a, a shot, a shot at winning to a shot at main casting. Yeah. And when he gets to that point, he's thinking more so about 
get him back to where he was as opposed to like, you know, uh, seeing the main cash as a worthy goal. And so, like I told him, man, it's like, um, it's just a a matter of styles. It's like, I can say that a lot of his his plays, at least with my limited knowledge, I can, I'll say that they're probably mathematically incorrect, but at the same time, I know a lot of the plays I do are mathematically incorrect, like checking back with that straight on the river. It's just that. I'm erring on the side of being too tight and he's erring on the side of being too aggressive. And what happens when you play that way is he's going to get a lot of like, you know, bust outs where he doesn't cash and he's going to get a lot of wins. Yeah. I'm going to get a lot of like stone bubbles and a lot of men cashes and very, very few wins compared to him. And so again, somewhere in the middle is that, is that happy medium. Yeah. yeah, and that's going to be optimal, but none of us are there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that's why I call my coaching uh, mediocre poker, because <laughs> at the end of the day, unless any of us are like you know capable of going heads up with the top hundred players in the world, at the end of the day, we're, we're all a mediocre player compared to somebody else. We're just the winning goal- grinders, just nut peddling. Just, yeah, just getting the, those little nuts. <laughs> yeah, the you goal the, the goal is not to to like be the best. The goal is to find people worse than you that are willing to play for money. Exactly. And exactly. that's what I did. Yeah. 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 It's uh I, you're absolutely right. It's just nut peddling. It's the same thing I do with day trading, you know. I'm just nut peddling. I'm just betting one and a half, maybe two percent of my bankroll <laughs> on these little bets, just nut peddling. I'm never taking like a shot of like Ooh, this looks super good. I'm going to bet 10%. No, fuck that. It'll backfire. And if it doesn't, like, okay, you got lucky there once. You know, it just ain't worth it. Just not pedal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for out. sure. Yeah. Andrew Peeper is a perfect example of that. He's He showed me the graph of his uh, uh, daily yeah, study plays. Too. Did you see that? Yeah. An average buy-in, uh, $82.00. And it just looks like a fucking uh, skyrocketing graph. I mean, like, there's, like, no downswings. <laughs> yeah, it's straight up. <laughs> he plays, up. like, two table, maybe one table tournaments. Uh, you know, average buy-in, $82. So some of them are 150s or 200s, you know, and other ones are 65s or whatever. I just dropped him off last night at a $65 one. And uh, he just nut pedals, and he's able to grind it out and make a living. Another gal I had on the show... Uh, with him actually uh, very briefly for only about five or ten minutes but Mindy she does the same damn thing just plays these little dailies you know sometimes grinds one three um, and just nut pedal <laughs> you know yeah yeah like you know that's basically how I've come up in poker and I'll probably do that for as long as I can as long as I can find people willing to play for play against me at the stakes I want to play for in a manner where I can kind of like damn near autopilot yeah. and never get in tricky spots. Like I just rather do that, you know, cause the goal to me isn't like millions of dollars or to be number one in the GPI. Mm-hmm. It's just to like not have to go to work tomorrow. That's my goal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when I come out here for these little trips, it's, it's so cool for me because this is kind of giving me a snapshot of what it's going to be like when I leave the fire department in 10 years. Um, yeah, I'm just going to play these tournaments. Um, I don't know, four times a week. And, uh, that's probably about it. Maybe a little bit of cash sprinkled in here and there, some online, but, 
um, yeah, I love these tournaments. Yeah, they're the so win, much fun. The win is so good, man. I almost feel like you could probably just play their dailies and whatever series they have pop up there every day during the daytime. And then, like, if you happen to bust, just grind online at night. And you could probably, you know, make a hundred grand in a year. Easy. I think so. I think so. The play is so soft. It know, is especially soft. on the weekends. Especially on yes. the weekends. I mean, it's it's bad during the week too, but uh, it's uh, yeah. The weekends are just a whole new level. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a couple times I can't recall the hands, but where you were showing me those uh, those horrid calls that they do on Bovada. You know, just like calling like yeah. six four <laughs> offsuit to it. To a twenty big blind shove, and you're like, "Was that a misclick? Like, what?" <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw that stuff so happen, and you're like, "Maybe I it's thought not. it was a mistake." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's like like when they show up with a real hand. Now I'm surprised. Like, what? Nines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, I fucking love it, man. I don't know if that site ever goes away. I'll be fucking crushed. <laughs> I guess I'll move and just play in the wind every day. It's yeah, not not. <laughs> Not much tougher there. <laughs> uh, oh, I had one hand uh, that you and I talked about when uh, when you're here at my folks' house. Um, it was a cash game hand, and I'm embarrassed to even bring it up because it just shows that I can't fucking add. Uh, but I figured it would be a good lesson for uh, for a lot of guys out there um, to uh, to hear. Remember the Jack Ten offsuit hand? Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm playing in a cash game. I. Uh, Looking back in hindsight, I probably should have just been railing somebody or gone home uh, <laughs> instead of uh, playing because I had played all day in uh, in that um, uh, $600, 250K, and then we had dinner. I had a beer with dinner, which I kind of broke my rule about not drinking when you're going to play, but then everyone went to go play cash, and I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll sit in the 1-3 table until... Um, until you either bag or bust, and then we'll we'll go to my my folks. Well, house. well, the best poker decisions always start with "ah, oh, fuck it." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're throwing that in at the beginning of the sentence, then you probably shouldn't be playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, uh, I buy in. It's a one three table. I buy in for three or four hundred, and uh, I'm mostly folding, not really playing anything. And then uh, after about an hour or so, I'm kind of getting in. Uh, there's two guys at the table. One of them is, well, they're both Cuban. Um, the guy to my right, he's been button straddling every, uh, every time. So I'm in the big blind uh, with Jack-10 off suit. There's a, there's a limp in late position. Now, this guy, I've seen him limp, uh, limp fold, like everything. Uh, if he has a hand, he's raising it. So, um, you know, he, uh, he limps there $6, the, um, the button straddle is the Cuban guy that's been very, very loose and very uh, aggressive. Like, he made the mistake of betting and then accidentally showing his hand before um, before action was on the other girl. He flopped a set of eights. He, he flopped the second nuts. And this girl was debating, like, to either shove or call, but she was never folding. And he accidentally showed his uh, cards, and then the dealer's like, well, you showed those other players, you got to show the, the table – because he just flipped the fucking thing up and she was the only one that didn't see it because she was looking at the pot and just not paying attention. And she showed aces and then folded. So he would have got her whole damn stack. You know, this this is the kind of level of play we're here, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he's on the uh, button straddle. So when it gets around to him, the 
the, I guess, advantage of the button straddle is you get to ask, act last uh, before the flop. So it goes through him, the small blind folds, now it's on me, I've got Jack-10 off suit, and I thought, you know what, I want to get heads up with this guy on the button because I know he's calling, and I'm damn certain that the, uh, the other guy that limped is folding because every time he's limped and someone's raised, he's folded. So I make it 25. Uh, sure enough, he folds, button straddler, he looks down at his hand, and he says, I have pocket fives. I just want you to fold. And he puts in $100. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, he'd said his hand before and showed it, and that's what he actually had. Now, at this point, he picks up his cards, kind of stacks them on top of each other, and he shows the rest of the table a five. Uh, he doesn't quite show it to me, but the guy next to me said, he just showed the five of clubs. And that's when the dealer was like, hey, sir, you can't talk about the hand, yada, yada, yada. So I'm almost certain this guy actually has pocket fives, right? <laughs> and the way he said he's all 100% I have pocket fives. I'm all 100% pocket fives. He's all 100% pocket fives. I swear I have pocket fives. I have pocket fives right now. I just want you to fold. And I'm like, well, if he actually has pocket fives, then I guess I'm basically flipping. <laughs> I mean, this is no different than ace-king versus, uh, versus queens, right? Maybe even a little bit better because I got more straight possibilities with jack-10. Exactly. Uh, I'm like, well, I guess this is a call and then just play perfectly on the flop, you know, uh, assuming he has pocket fives. So uh, I thought there was a decent chance that when I called, he was going to shove dark. And I was right. I called. So I call 100. There's now 207 with the small blind and that limp fold uh, in the pot, I guess, minus the rake. It's, we'll just call it 200 to make it even. So there's 200 in the middle. And he blind shoves for another 150. Uh, flop is ace-king-9, uh, so if he indeed does have pocket fives, then we've got um, a gutter, a queen, or a jack or a ten that'll make us um, make us the best hand, and then I guess there's the random, uh, you know, a running nine-king or a running ace-king or, you know, something right. else to give us a high card, basically, for the win. Um and so he blind shoves that, and then and then he starts saying, when he sees the flop, he's all, please fold, please fold, I have pocket fives. This is a horrible board. Please fold, please fold. And uh, this is when I went into uh, math mode, and I said, okay, there's 200 in the middle. He just bet 150. Uh, oh, this isn't as good as I thought, because I got to call 150. So it's uh, 150 divided by 350. That's like... 40-something percent. If I do the quick poker math, there's basically 10 outs uh, times 4. That's 40%. It feels like it's a little bit more like, I mean, it's fucking close, but I think this is a fold. And I folded. And then after talking with you, I realized what a fucking bonehead error that was because it's actually 200 in the middle. And I know this. This is the, <laughs> this is the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> there's 200 in the middle. 150 that he bet. But I also have to add the 150 that I'm calling because when I win, I get that back. So there's exactly. really 500 in the middle. And so it's 150 divided by 500, which is uh, a lot less than uh, 40%. So 30. Yeah. 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 <sighs> it happens to the best of us, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you told me a story that made me feel a little bit better about Antonio Esfandiari, you know, uh, commentating on uh, poker and saying that. Um, you know, oh, he just bet, bet half pot, so he has to be good 50% of the time. And I'm like, okay, well, if he could say that on live TV, then I feel a little bit better about this, but it was still... <laughs> yeah, and at the, time, 
at the time he was saying this, he was he had like the most cashes. He was like the all time money leader in tournaments. Okay. All right. So if he, if he can make that mistake, then we can get away with making mistakes like that too. Yeah, yeah. I did the math though, and I figured that you know if it is ten percent, then that's basically worth fifty bucks. So that one error cost me two hours at a uh, one three table. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's brutal. Oh man. Yeah, oh. yeah. That that's a tough one. Yeah. Lesson learned. Don't uh, don't break your rule of uh, having a beer with dinner and then going and playing. Uh, yes. Going and playing cash. That was stupid. <laughs> don't don't start your sessions with "oh fuck it." Yeah. Because <laughs> that this is this is the end result. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> but but you know what's funny? The math works out to where the forty two percent number that you came up with mm. is how often he needs his bet to work as a bluff. And a lot of time, people confuses those, conf- will confuse those two percentages. So if he was betting 150 in the two as a bluff, he needed it to work um, 42% of the time. And when you call, you need to be good 30% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like 12 or something. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So live and learn. Live and learn. Yes, yes. But the next day, I had a pretty good run. Uh, yesterday, I went, uh, there was 167, I think, entrance. I did the win uh, daily, $400 buy-in. Uh, I quickly got um, on the first level. Tell me what you think of this hand. You, you still got a little bit or you got to get going? No, I got plenty of time. Okay. Um First level, it's 100-100. We are one, two, three, four, six-handed. Um, and uh, we pick up uh, ace-queen, spade-spade in the big blind. Uh, there's an active guy. He's a European. He was actually at the final table later uh, in the red jacket. He was to my left. I don't know if you remember him or not. Yep, a puma jacket. Yes, yes. I of all things. Quite well. <laughs> yes, I'll never, I'll never forget him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, first level, we're at the same table, and uh, um, he raises to 300. He'd been loose and splashy. I think he could do this with, like, all suited connectors down to probably uh, four or five um, suited aces, uh, broadways, uh, any pair like that. Uh, a girl who, at this point, I was perceiving her as a pro just because her decisions were so fast, uh, the way she handled her chips, um, she just seemed... Pro-ish. I mean, I at one point I remember thinking like, okay, I don't, I don't really want to play with her. I'm just going to try to, you know, focus on the Puma jacket, you know. Right. And um, so, anyways, uh, Puma Puma jacket raises to 300. Pro girl calls 300. We're in the big blind uh, with. Um, they're both in early middle position. Um, we're in the big blind with Ace Queen of Spades. What's What's your thoughts here? Um, I think we have like 12K effective. So Puma was the opener or he called? He was the opener. He opened a 3X to 300. Uh, Okay. Um, Generally, I three-bet this hand. Um, But I'm less worried about him. I'm more worried about her um, early early position flatting range. When I say worried. I'm worried about what a good player would flat there. And sometimes I kind of like give unknowns too much credit, especially when they look like a pro. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Hence me, hence me checking back and straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my first thought is, okay, we know we have a read on this guy that says why we have a read on her that says solid and a solid player shouldn't have too many just straight up flats in that position. It should have a lot of three bets with the type of hands we want them to have. Um, so I could go either way, especially with it being suited. I could go either way with just calling here or three betting. Okay. How, how deep are you again? Uh, like 120 bigs. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I could go either way, but I would say I would assassinato would probably three bet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you're three betting, what's your sizing? They open to three. Yeah. Um, I'm probably gonna go like fifteen to eighteen somewhere in there. Okay. Oh, you're going bigger. Okay. I uh, I made it thirteen. Um, okay. there's eight, 800 in the middle right now and I made it, uh, 1300. Um, they both call. So with the small blind folding, uh, there's 4k in the middle. What, what's your reasoning for so big? You just want to fold right now and not have to play this out of position. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't really care if I get a fold or not because, um, my hand is pretty good, um, for post flop, but when I'm out of position, I need to like, um, go bigger and also with stacks being as deep as they are if I want to try to get it in by the river I need to um, go ahead and go bigger assuming that you know um, only one of them calls and that's kind of what I want I kind of want to get it heads up if I can because although this hand is pretty good uh, I'm not always going to hit the flop so I want to be able to like bluff at some point yeah. And it's harder to bluff against two people than one. So Okay. Yeah. With the smaller size and I think you're gonna get two callers very often, especially when one of them's kind of a fish. Yeah. And the other one has a strong range. Okay. Okay. All right. Um I make it thirteen hundred. They both call. There's four K in the middle. Um we've got like eleven K behind, something like that. Uh flop is Ace of Hearts. Ten of clubs, eight of clubs, and we have the uh, ace queen of spades. Uh, so we flopped top pair, good kicker, uh, no spades on the board. Uh, there's a flush draw, straight draw. Um, what's your, uh, uh, what are you thinking here with four K in the middle? Four K uh, <laughs> uh, in the middle. How much do we have behind? We got about eleven. Jeez. Um. Guess I'm going to start with a um, small C bet and really hope the girl goes away. Um, I guess so. 4K in the middle, I'm probably going to C bet something like um, between like 13 and 15, something in that range. Okay, you're going pop. like third. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And why why so small? Uh, generally because this is a board where a lot of my hands don't really want to play a bloated pot. Like for example, if I have like 
kings or queens here. Like, I guess a lot. So I think about my three betting range. It's either a lot of big pairs that either want to check or bet super small, like maybe like 13, maybe even less. Okay. Um, but I think I'm going to be checking a lot of times with those type of hands. And the rest of my range is either like big ASEX hands, like the one you have, or like smaller ones that, you know, I was just kind of like squeezing with, like maybe ace five suited. Okay. And with those type of hands, I don't want the pot to get kind of bloated either. Okay. So either, either, so let's forget about the pairs for now. So most of my range here is, is top pair. So I got strong top pair hands and I got weak top pair hands. If I have a weak top pair hand, I don't want to, um, to um, bloat the pot, which is why we use the smaller sizing. And if I got the big top pair hand, like the one you have, I want to give them a, a price so that they can't, you know, fold worse, um, worse um, hands by the river. Okay. And so, honestly, with ace queen, like you really can't play for stacks here up against anything but like ace jack. I don't know how many ace nines they have in their range, and if they do have them, I don't know if they're stacking off with them. But I think you could probably stack ace jack, and if somebody has me beat, I want to kind of get away for a cheap price. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm probably bet folding here, honestly, if yeah. um, it gets too heavy uh, at some point. So if that's my goal, I mean, if that's what I'm thinking is, I may have to bet fold at some point. I want to try to keep the pot small. I mean, there's some merit for checking here also, because uh, that's what you will be doing with the vast majority of your range. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just the shit just gets complicated when it's a multi-way pot, when you're out of position, and when there's a good player in the hand. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I'm kind of confused in this spot. Um, okay. So I like small sizing. Yeah. Generally, when I'm confused, I either check or bet small. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to like limits the damage if, if there's a mistake that's about to happen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, instead of going small, well, I go half pot instead of a third. I make it 2K. Um, mm-hmm. Puma jacket calls and the girl folds. Okay. Now it's game on. Yeah. Now it's basically, um, I can't think of a better result of what we would want, right? Yes. Because okay. he's probably bad enough to have like ace five here and get stacked. Okay. Okay, um, all right, she folds. So we got uh, 8K in the middle. Uh, we've got about, what would that be, about 9K behind, something like that, 8,500, 9K. Uh, and with ace, queen of spades, um, we had a flop of ace of hearts, 10 of clubs, 8 of clubs. The turn is the five of hearts. Okay, so we got two clubs up there, two hearts. Uh, pot is 8,000 with um, a little bit more than a pot size uh, bet behind actions on us against Puma Jacket. Two flush draws out there, you said? Two flush draws, yeah. And we have slightly more than pot? We have slightly more than pot, yeah. Okay, I'll show up here. Hmm, okay. All right. Yeah, mostly just to like, it works both ways. If the guy has a flush draw, He'll probably make a bad call with it. And so I just kind of profit from that. And if he has an ace, he'll put me on the flush draw and make a bad call. And I'll profit that way also. 
Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. I uh, I ended up betting 3K. He shoved, and then I called. Um, but I kind of like your line of just uh, just rip it in here, get value from all his draws. Um, I mean, there's a lot in there. Jack nine nine seven, uh, two clubs, a weak ace, um, two hearts. Um, let me let me ask you this. Remind me again your initial read on this guy. Would you say he's over aggressive or overly passive? Overly aggressive. Okay. And so with that ca- in, in that case, um, how much was in the middle um, on the turn? Eight uh, k, and we got about okay. eighty five or nine k behind. Okay. So given that. It's so awkward out of position, man. Yeah. Um, given that he's over aggressive, I think I like your line better, okay. but maybe a slightly smaller sizing to kind of induce him. Yeah. It seems okay. like this was probably um, enough to do it anyway, but just like a 2K F you bet or something like that. Yeah. Like he may just ship with threes and, you know, or something like that. But, um, there may actually be some merit if we were in position. Um, I guess it, I don't know how much it matters. I'm thinking about given that we know he's over aggressive, like maybe check at some point to allow him to try to like put us on Kings and try to get us off of it. Um, but you can also do that with a small F you bet. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's probably what I would, prefer is like betting like 2k on the turn given that the guy's over aggressive but against most people who are overly passive i think i like this shove better okay okay all right okay yeah i uh uh he he um i bet uh, 3k he rips it i call and he had uh 10 8 uh so he flopped uh two pair uh it was suited uh so I um I guess I got to give him that, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he called ten percent of his stack with the <laughs> ten eight suited. Pretty with, bad, with Especially. the player to act behind him. But uh, <laughs> pretty bad. I don't yeah. mind his open, um, but calling the uh, three bet seems a little. His open is bad too. You think it's, so? it's, it's it's not. I will say that it's probably good in the tournaments that he's playing, but. It's not GTO, and he will probably get punished against good players very often. Opening that wide, like um, you say, he's like early position. He's uh, he was UTG one. She so was you, UTG two. Yeah, um, UTG yeah. one with 10-8 suited um, is too wide. Yeah, okay. like like Alex was like he gave me hell one day for opening Jack nine suited. Like he. He, like, broke me out of that habit. So even, like, the Jack-9 suited is too wide and, like, King-Queen off, Ace-Jack off. Like, you're supposed to be pretty tight from early position. And yeah. if you're – but you shouldn't be. You should be opening really wide like that if people are letting you get away with it. And so uh, against most of these win- the players in the win tournaments, yeah, he probably should be, um, be um, opening those hands. But – if I'm at the table, especially if I'm short stacks, the if I have a short stack, 20 to 30 bigs, these are the guys I feed off of because these are the guys who raise fold too much, and they allow me to survive with a 20 to 30 stack for 
much longer than I should yeah. because they they're they're raising so wide and they're only calling off with probably twenty maybe twenty thirty percent of their opening range. Yeah, and if if that's the case, I it, I'm close to being able to shove any two cars properly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It um yeah. So that was uh, GG for the uh, bullet one. Uh, then I uh, I went for bullet two um, and bought back in and uh, after that I uh... <laughs> oh, okay now okay so I'm I'm laughing to myself now like and this is like an inside thing that the listeners won't know about <laughs> but the fact that your first bullet busted it to this guy given what happens later <laughs> yes. okay this is a piece of the story I didn't know what yes. the fuck, man. <laughs> It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to tease this one and tell you I want to uh, thank our sponsor here, Elliot Rowe. And uh, <laughs> every time before I uh, play a tournament, I always listen to his MP3s and in this one especially it was kind of special because when we got down to 35 players, we were uh, we had the dinner break. Uh, and I went out to the car. I remember going to you, Carlos, and I must have looked like I was just had the thousand yeah. yard stare because I was tired, uh, hungry, and we had 45 minutes. And I'm like, dude, I'm going out to the car and I'm taking a nap. I can't even see straight right now. And I went out <laughs> yeah. to the car and I listened to his final table MP3. And I came back and I made the fucking final table. Maybe that's a coincidence. Yeah. But it can't hurt. <laughs> These MP3s I, are amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I don't know about the MP3, uh, the, the final table one, but if there's, like, any, um, like, mental game in terms of, like, uh, dealing with tilt um, MP3 involved in that one that you listen to, it, um, it definitely works. Because had you, had Mike been at the table... Dealing with those hands you dealt with towards the end, yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a much different reaction. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> we'll tell you guys about it. I took a horrific uh, beat and uh, a couple of them, and uh, I was just like, "All right," and I just play this game in my head, and um, I don't know if it's just practice or these MP3s, but I just pretend that I just doubled up. So even if I'm down to four big blinds, I'm, I I mentally tell myself, "Oh, I just had two, and now I got four. This is pretty sweet." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it yeah. actually works. You know? Yeah, so, that kind uh, of stuff. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So check out these MP3s. You can get the free one. Ironically, it's called the uh, Seven Minute Tilt Buster. Uh, I've probably listened to that one uh, hundreds of times. And uh, it uh, really works. You can click on the link in the show notes. Uh, if you decide to buy one, uh, use the code HUPOKER and you'll score yourself a little discount, save yourself some cash, and uh, you kick back a little bit to the podcast. Uh, okay, so. Come back from dinner break. We're down to uh, two tables by now, I believe, right? And yes. uh, lo and behold, Puma Jacket is is at the table with us. <laughs> and, uh, he's across the table. Uh, I'm uh, under the gun, and I make it. Uh, I've got a stack of three hundred, about three hundred k, and he has a stack of about two hundred seventy five, two hundred eighty. Uh, Jeez. so r- right about the same, uh, fucking, fucking Puma jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe blind levels at this, at this level were, uh, 2,500, uh, 5k. Uh, so that gives us, uh, how many big blinds is that for 300k? That's like 60 bigs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so we got 60 bigs. Um, uh, UTG, we, we have uh, pocket jacks. 
uh, I believe they were two blackjacks, and uh, I make it um, my standard raise at this one, and I tried something different than this, this one, Carlos, is I'm just doing like over 3x, I did it the whole tournament. And all these other guys that were doing the min raises and the 2.2s and 2.3s, they're getting four callers, and I almost always got a heads up. Uh, so I did that here. Uh, I made it, I believe, 17K, uh, folded around a Puma jacket, um, who was, um, uh, let's see, he was on the big button. Blind. Oh, he was big blind? Yes. Okay, because I was seat one, he was seat nine. Okay, so he was in the big blind. Uh, he flicks in a call. And we go to a flop of, um, let's see, what was the flop? The flop was five, of, uh, four of hearts, five of hearts, uh, eight of hearts. Uh, and he leads out for um, 15K. Uh, it was 15 or 16. I can't remember if there was a blue chip in there or not. I, I really don't remember. Um, and, uh, but he leads out for smallish. Uh, at this point, I've got two jacks, no heart, um, but I think he's going to be doing this with, like, all big hearts, any pair on this board, and knowing what we know about Puma Jacket, I think he'll stack off pretty light. Uh, so I make yes. it 50K, uh, and then he takes about two and a half, three seconds, and then he rips all in. Uh, I didn't... No. Oh, go ahead. Now, keep in mind, we're 18 level. I think the two of you are probably like first and second or close to it. Yeah. You were definitely first. I was definitely first because I had two big stacks of red, which no one else had. And then I had a whole other five stacks of uh, yellow or orange or whatever it is for the um, – uh, so I had I had 300K and he had, you know, like 275, 280, something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, he rips it all in. And then that's when I was like, huh. Well, I guess this is what we wanted. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I didn't take too long, but I, I gave it a call. And he flipped over uh, pocket sixes with the six of hearts. Uh, so he's got a gut shot. A seven will give him a straight. Uh, I guess the two remaining sixes will give him a set. Uh, and a heart will give him a flush. And he ended up uh, referring a seven. So we went from uh, hero to uh, five big blinds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either four or five big blinds. I can't remember, uh, but it was it was it was it was uh, uh, not not an impressive stack. <laughs> yeah, the best the best part about it is I walked over to the table. I didn't see the pre-flop action, uh -huh. but I walked over to the table when I realized that you guys were all in, and I saw you had jacks over sixes, uh -huh. and um, I I think when I got there we were on the um, turn. Okay. And um, I was like, it's looking good. And then when the river hit, you know, people go crazy. Like, oh. And then I look at Steve, and Steve just, like, snaps his fingers like, ah, I almost had it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, yeah, if it wasn't for Elliot Rose and P3s, if that was Mike, for example, or me <laughs> in this case, because I, I could – that table would have been upside down twice. <laughs> that fucking Puma jacket would be in shreds as if an actual Puma ripped it. <laughs> but Steve took it, he took it in stride. Took it in stride. I so, did. I, you know, there was impressive. a point. Right, thank you. Thank you. That's taken a lot of work. Um, it, uh, there was a point right there. 
And uh, I know we're beating this Elliot Road to death, but it, there was something in my mind that said, well, I've already visualized the final table, so I know I make it there. So I guess I just have to keep doubling up from here. Like, that, that, was, my, that was my only thought. It was just like, okay, well, I thought I was going to be at the big stack going to the final table. I guess now I'm, um, maybe I'll just squeak in. I don't know, but somehow I get there. You know, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, so I had four bigs. I basically just kept folding. And it's a little bit, I think, of almost an advantage having the um, having the big blind and then the big blind ante because you're not just chipping away each time. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a big hit that comes at once. So you can more so plan it. Um, yes, that's so, true. Yeah, I, I ripped uh, Jack 10 offsuit from like middle position, got it through. Then the very next hand, I ripped uh, Ace 3 offsuit from. You know, so I had four bigs, shoved that, and then I was up to like six and a half, shoved the ace three from uh, late early position, I guess, early or early middle position. I uh, got that through, uh, went, th I might have been in the big blind, and another short stack, well, he had more than I did, I was the shortest by far, um, but he ripped, and then I looked down at ace king uh, suited, I think I was in the small blind or big blind, I rip, uh, win a flip, and now we're up to 11 bigs, and I'm like... Uh, Okay, we're going somewhere here. You know, it's like yeah. 11 or 12. And, um, uh, and, then, uh, and then lo and behold, I made it to the final table. Blinds, blind levels went up again, and I think now I was hovering around 9 to 11 bigs, something like that. And uh, I pick up uh, jacks again. Um, we're now seven-handed. Um, and I pick up jacks in the cutoff. Uh, I had 7.3 bigs, I believe. And uh, I just open ripped it. Uh, the two guys in the uh, um, to my left. There's Puma Jacket to my left, so I know he's going to call with like a weak ace or something. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, the small blind was pretty loose. The big blind he might have been a little bit tighter, but you know I don't think there's anything to do with jacks there other than rip it. I don't I don't think it's good to min raise and then hope for something. You know. Right. Yeah. So I rip it. I get called uh, by Ace Seven suited, and uh, I flop a set. Uh, and then he ended up hitting a gutter for a straight. <laughs> so <laughs> Puma jacket, right? Uh, no, it wasn't Puma jacket. It was the other okay. guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was Puma jacket. <laughs> that's why, that's why I'll never forget that jacket. I was like, how many times is this guy going to suck? I don't Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once to knock me out the first time and another time to take me from uh, 60 pigs down to four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I hung in there. It was fun, and it was cool having you guys there as a rail. That was really, that was really cool. Thank you for that. It, yeah, uh, there was no you, problem. Mike, Dylan, uh, and then uh, Andrew Peeper came in uh, uh, right after I busted. And yep. uh, that was cool. It was cool. Only Steve can go from first to worst and say, "Hmm, I wonder which seat at the final table I'll get." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be in seat three or seat seven, and like most people would be like. Fuck. Let's go. Let me go get my parking validated. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's some pretty good optimism right there, man. Uh, I dig it. Right on. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I got to give the credit to Elliot Rowe. I wasn't always like that. I used to uh, uh, tilt pretty bad, especially online. I mean, I never like broke a computer or my mouse or anything, but uh, uh, it was, um, yeah. I, I, now I feel like I'm finally like even keel. And I'm able to keep that in check, uh, but yeah, I just love this game. I think I'm gonna go play again today. Uh, I might do the win daily. Um, if not, I'll probably just fire some uh, 
random one or two hundred dollar tournaments. It's it, it, you know I'm kind of getting to the point where those aren't quite worth it for me. You know you gotta you gotta play the win if you're there and you're playing. Yeah, it's the form, it's the it's the same way you just final table right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. no reason not to play that if you're in town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the best one by far. Where you're yes. down in Bullhead City, right? You're you're you got a storage unit. You're going down to San Diego to meet up with Mike after this. Yes, so I'm on my way there now. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, good deal, good deal. Right on. Well, um, you know, I got two little hands here that are pretty close. If if you still got a sec. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I, these may be kind of obvious, and you're like, uh, why are you even asking me? But I figured I'd just run it by and, and see what you said. Okay. Wouldn't be the first time that happened on the podcast. Oh, hell no. This would be about the 47th. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, pose around to me. Uh, I thought it was one. It was like, ace. pose around to me in the, on the button. Oh, pose around to the cutoff. Cutoff opens. I have ace eight suited on the button with 18 bigs. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, uh, am I missing something here? This is like the easiest shove ever. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, I think it was eight, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Oh, it was, it, I think eight? it was eight and fourteen bigs, and you're like, uh, what, <laughs> what's the, what's the problem? I don't understand. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> did I miss I was, here? Was it not fourteen? Was, like, was it forty-one? Did I like dyslexic this, uh, this number? I thought the internet, I thought the internet connection cut out or something. For a second. <laughs> I've missed some pertinent information here. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> these could be exactly like that. We'll see here. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Blind levels are 500, 1,000. Um, under the gun, we're nine handed. Under the gun shoves for 13K. So he shoves 13 big blinds. Uh, under the gun one uh, calls 13K. He has 40K behind. Now, under the gun one, he's an older gentleman. Um, he'd been playing. Eh, I guess you could just classify him as kind of average. You know what though? I, that's that's too much because um, I'd, I almost readless. Basically, just an average player. He's probably fifty fifty five years old. We'll leave it gotcha. at that. Uh, next guy had been calling a little loose. Uh, so when he calls thirteen k, I don't know if he's completely aware of his stack size that he just put in a third of his stack. To him, he's got about forty k behind, and he and he just put in uh, thirteen of it to uh, as an under the gun one call. Folds around to us. We're in the small blind. We have fifty k behind, um, and we have eights. Big blind is a short stack with about. Well, I guess it's not totally short. He has twenty bigs. Okay, so uh, under the gun rips for thirteen bigs. UTG1, loose player, calls 13 bigs with uh, 40K in his starting stack. Folds around to us in the small blind. We have eights, and the big blind has about uh, 20K. We got 50 bigs. Wait a minute. I'm confused. I, I, it sounded like you started off saying he was like a 50-year-old, basically unknown, and now you're saying he's a loose player. Oh, I'm saying the under-the-gun one that called his shove is a loose player. So the original shover is the 50-year-old? Yes. Okay. Um, I fold here. Okay. Um, it's probably if the older guy shoves and he doesn't get a call, it's probably a Nash call there, but this guy's probably not shoving the Nash ranges. Yeah. Um, to this type of player, 
13 bigs, like, you know, you can last several more orbits with that. Yeah. So I don't think, like, for example, he's probably supposed to be shoving, like, ace-5 suited, ace-9 suited hands like that. I don't even think he's shoving those. And he could probably get away with shoving something like, say, queen-10 suited, jack-10 suited, and he's definitely not shoving those. So he's, I think for the most part, he has a big ace or a pair that has you dominated, or at worst, at worst, he has like sevens or eights here, in my opinion. Okay. And then when you combine that with this other guy, I guess he's a little bit more, um, a little bit more capped, um, especially given that you said he's loose. So, I mean, that helps a little. But do you think if you shove, the guy folds, or are you not even considering that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking if I shove, I might be able to get heads up with the uh, original opener. But like you said, okay. eights probably isn't doing but fantastic it, against just him. It's not. But if you can get that, if you can get the other guy to fold, and now you have this dead money subsidizing it, you're okay. Because now you probably you probably are like a um, you probably are a um, sixty forty dog. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times, or maybe um, like thirty-five, sixty-five, okay. but that's okay if you put in a third of the money. Yeah. Um, so if you're confident you can get this other guy out, I would shove, but I wouldn't call. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I end up folding. Um, I thought. Ugh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just running through the roll of decks. How many players I've seen just flat call with uh, Kings there or something in the, uh, in the loose guy's shoes. But um, I thought it was pretty damn close and I, I, I chucked it. Uh, original shover had King Queen off and then the UTG one, which I think his play here is horrific. He called with sixes. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was bad. I also saw him do the same exact play later with pocket threes. And he was just <laughs> so pissed when uh, it didn't beat uh, Ace King. You know, it's just like, no, he looked like a soccer player where, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. where the, when they missed the goal, you know, and it's just like somebody just shot their mom or something. Like, the yeah. He looked like I've that. Seen it. <laughs> yeah. He's like flopping. Like they did a soccer flop at the poker table. Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. King queen off. That is a good shove. And, um, I don't expect players like the one you described to shove. I would expect them to limp a hand like that. Yeah. But I think my standard old guy stereotype is kind of getting um, screwed up because these guys used to be like super tight by default, but some of them are not. They're loosening um, their game up. They're learning, you know? Yeah. Some of the yeah. lingo they throw out, they're like reverse implied odds. And I'm like, he actually used that correctly. So like, Fuck. Yeah. Poker's getting tougher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, this is this is what this is a good time for like like all the Nash charts that we use and even Snapshove talks about one person shoving and you're deciding whether or not you have to call. Yeah. But I don't think we have any charts or an app that tells us what to do when somebody else call bef- calls before us. Yeah, but I feel like eights would be a Nash call. But if there was some Nash chart that can calculate when another person calls, I think we have to tighten up 
a bit. So being unsure, I like defaulting to a fold because okay. it's better to make a bad fold than a bad call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm on board with that play. Okay. All right. Uh, one other one kind of similar. Um, okay. This time we're on the button. So UTG shoves. Um, I do not remember who it is. Uh, I just did a voice note and I didn't say who the player was. So this is basically readless. UTG shoves uh, for, uh, you know what, instead of saying the stack sizes, I'm just going to say how many bigs everyone has. Um, okay. Okay. So UTG shoves for seven bigs. We're folds to us. We're on the button with ace jack offsuit. We have 30 bigs. Uh, small blind. Let's see. We got 30 bigs. Small blind has 10 bigs. And big blind has about 20, 27 bigs. Um, the, the, the one thing I want to add really quick to the last hand is that one was at the 500, 1,000 level. Mm-hmm. So my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, that wasn't like quite close to the bubble yet. And so you, if you wanted to like kind of go for a spot, that would be fine. Whereas if you were closer to the bubble, you have to be tighter with your calls. Uh, so this particular hand, is this one like later in the tournament? It is. This is the uh, 1500 3K level. Um, okay, I'm so trying to think like of where that was as far as the bubble. I think uh, I don't think we've broken the bubble yet. Yeah, uh, we were we were at a full two tables or um, seventeen got paid. We must have still had three tables, so we're probably in the uh, mid twenties as far as how many players. Right, so seventeen pay, and there's like twenty five left. Yeah, uh, I would say twenty two to twenty five, something like that. Okay, yeah, I'm folding this. Okay. Um, it's definitely a, um, a Nash call. Um, and I think once somebody gets to around seven bigs, they're going to be more likely to be shoving closer to Nash than the 13, even in unknown. Um, so if this was like earlier in the tournament, I would probably just shove over this. Um, I mean, you could flat, I've, I've seen good players say, uh, flat if the original shove is like, big enough to like not encourage the big blind to just complete with anything okay um so but yeah this close to the ball to the bubble you got to cut your calling um uh ranges down like by a shit ton okay okay all right yeah i folded uh so that was that i I wasn't sure this spot with ace queen are you calling here are you um because the stack sizes um, are kind of awkward to our left, you know what I mean? You got a guy with ten bigs. If if we call here and he shoves, I don't think we're hardly ever good with Ace Jack there against his range, unless he's doing it with like you're you're kind of hoping he has like tens there because he's never doing yeah. it with Ace Ten. Um, I don't I don't even think about the people behind too often when my okay. stack like if if I have if somebody shoves seven and I call with off of thirty, um. I guess there's some people I would fold to if they came over the top. Okay. Uh, but they were they were, they would pretty much have to have me covered. And you said one guy only had ten. One guy had ten. The big blind has twenty seven. So we yeah. Uh, so we've got him covered by three bigs, which is we basically have the same stack. Yeah. So with that case, um, I'm the effective stack. Yeah. And so 
I'm not so concerned about the people behind me. The only time I would even be thinking about them if I thought they had if they had me covered and I thought they would be capable of like squeezing light okay and uh, forcing me to fold. But I'm more just thinking about the um, the shover and yeah. yeah and like honestly like now this is where if you ask me what hand I would call with here I probably would given that we're on the bubble I wouldn't call with anything. If I'm going to play, I'm shoving. Okay. And that range for me is going to be probably tighter than it should be, but I'm okay with that. I'm probably going to be looking at something like Jax Plus and Ace King, maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, like I'm, I'm, yeah, because of the bubble, I'm probably just folding tens. I'm probably just folding Ace Queen. Wow. Okay. It's like it's not my job to knock out the short stacks. It's the other people's job to do that, and then I fold into the money, and then I start knocking out short stacks. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Cool. All right. I I did just that. I don't think this one was quite as obvious as the uh, as the eights before with fourteen (laughs) picks. Yeah. Yeah. These were these are definitely um, thought provoking, and they. Have a little bit of wiggle room for like you know. They, um, they could styles. spur some di- discussion. The other one was uh, I was just insulting my own intelligence there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> cool. Good deal. Well, thank you for coming on, uh, Carlos. This was fun. Um, drive yes. uh, drive safe down to uh, down to Mike's house. Um, yes. And uh, I'll uh, I don't know when I'll see you next. But maybe the WSOP. You know what? I am going to play Run It Up Reno in April. Okay. So, so if you decide to do that, you'll see me there. I'm going to play every tournament. Okay. Be- because there's small buy-ins, and the best part, every final table is um, streamed on Twitch with whole cards up. Oh, nice. So, what yeah, when so is that in April? I'm, I'm leaving April 10th, I believe, and I don't get back until, like, middle of May. I feel like it's... I think it ends around April 10th. Uh, so oh. it's like the first two weeks of April, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I'm, so I can stream it I'll on my d- iPad. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm not there, I mean, if uh, if I don't see you there, um, I'll see you um, in Vegas for sure. Okay. Perfect, brother. Right on. And if you guys uh, want to get a hold of Carlos, you can go to headsuppoker.poker, click on the Circle of Trust, his uh, Twitter. Uh, coaching page, all that is right there, so you can get a hold of him for coaching and uh, follow him on Twitter. And uh, you got anything else, Carlos? Right on. All righty, brother. Drive safe, and thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. Life spiraling out of control. Got to a point, I said, you know what? I got to grow up. I need to grow up because I'm on some little boy stuff. I should be making my mom proud. I should be making her smile. I should be giving her joy as opposed to giving her pain, giving her a hard time. When I was like, yo, whatever I gotta do on character, I ain't blaming nobody else. Listen to me, I took back my power. For years I was blaming folks, but if he was in my life, if this teacher wouldn't give me a hard time, they always on my back, it was his fault. I I stopped blaming people. Because when you blame people, you give them your power. I took my power back. I took complete ownership. I said, nope, this is all on me. I made the mistake, I'll make the adjustments. It's all on me. I promise you a shift started taking place, right? And so I end up, it's the craziest thing. I end up catching back, I end up catching up with my right grade. I had to take summer school, I had to like night courses. 
So when all my other friends was kicking it, that was hard. I was like, yo, I want to go kick it, but let me, let me make the main thing the main thing because I'm trying to see my mama cry. Like, I'm tired of living here. Like, I want better. I want more for my life. So I recognize I got to make some adjustments. I started making the adjustments. So I was just like, yo, everybody who talked negative about me, I'm about to show them they was wrong about me. And everybody who believed in me, I'm about to prove them right. And I'm about to have my mom crying for the rest of her life. She's so doggone proud of me. So did high school, boom. Did college. I said, shoot, if I can do college, maybe I can get my master's. I'm like, why not? Why not push the limit? Why not be a next level student? Why not try to get the absolute best out of me I can get? So I said, well, shoot, I'm going ahead, go ahead, now. I'm gonna do grad school. Went to grad school, got the master's. Now I'm like, shoot, if I had to get my master's, I had to write a whole bunch of books, uh, papers, and read a whole bunch of books. I'm like, well, shoot, maybe I could write a book. But my first book in 2010, I've been writing a book every year. I just finished my seventh book called Next Level Teaching. I never thought I'd be traveling the country. I never thought I'd be traveling the world. So I want to challenge y'all real quick. Like, ask yourself right now, all eyes on me. Like, ask yourself, what kind of life you want to live?